I run for the crown, I race for the prize, I press toward the upward call of God. I run for the crown, I race for the prize, I press toward the upward call of God. I fight with all my might to keep on living for the Christ. I know there is a glorious end in sight. The crown of life, the crown of victory I shall wear. I sing the song of triumph till I'm there. I run for the crown, I race for the prize, I press toward the upward call of God. I run for the crown, I race for the prize, I press toward the upward call of God. I fight with all my might to keep on living for the Christ. I know there is a glorious end inside. been spending a little bit more time at home these past few months. And I know one thing that my family has gotten into is playing board games. Now this I think is a wonderful uh, time whenever the whole family can get together and play board games together, but also with my children, they're at the age that it's helping them learn things like reading a little bit along the way and also being able to to count and learn their numbers and kind of addition and different things like that. So it's it's really helping them in numerous ways. And I think board games can help us all uh, learn things about one another and give us opportunities to, to talk around, you know, while we're playing these, uh, these different games that we play. But with me personally, I not only got interested in board games themselves, but I also got interested in finding out about the history of them. You know, like where did they come from and, and why do people play them and stuff like that? And I wanted to share with you kind of some things that I've learned about board games and some things on how they kind of reflect the Bible and also how they kind of reflect life in general. And I want us to, to kind of see some of these things and, and how they relate with Scripture. And I, I think that they will serve as a little bit of a parable of sorts. These different concepts that we grasp about board games, they can show us kind of in a parable type way about some concepts about the Bible and maybe how some people view the Bible as well. So as I stated, I got interested in the history of board games. 
And one thing that uh, I was finding out was people want to have a discussion about what a game is whenever they start it off. And, and that's kind of interesting because, you know, I don't know when's the last time you thought about what is a game, you know, what, what makes something a game as opposed to, to something else. But it does get kind of interesting when you try to define it. It's a little bit more difficult than what you might think at first. But one part of that discussion that really stuck in my mind about what a game is was, was something that, that one person said. They said that a game, it's only a game whenever you're playing it. Now, what they meant by that is, you know, if you're going to be making a game or, you know, if somebody makes a game, but if no one plays it, then it's literally just a bunch of rules. You know, it might be a few pieces here and there and, you know, a board, but it's not the game. You have to have people playing the game in order for it to become a game. So that's the first thing that I want us to kind of take a look at and notice how this parallels the Bible itself. That a game, it's only a game whenever someone is playing it. Now, obviously, the parallel that we're kind of making here is that, uh, you know, it's a lot more serious whenever it comes to the, the Bible and what the Bible is. But I think people view the Bible in similar ways as to how people view some board games in the sense of people who aren't really practicing and aren't really participating in following the Bible and following God, they might just look at the Bible and think of it as, well, that, that's just a rule book. And I mean, yeah, if we're going to be honest with, with uh, ourselves and others, yeah, there's a lot of rules in it. But the intention of it is not just to sit there and be this rule book that you just kind of look at every once in a while whenever you're in trouble or something like that, you know, or, or whenever you're trying to figure something out. That's not really what the Bible is intended to be. The Bible is intended to be kind of like how a game is intended to be played. You're supposed to participate in it. Well, the Bible is a book that whenever it's there, it's something that we are supposed to pick it up and, and to read it and to allow it to transform us and, and to impact our lives. See, Jesus said that whenever he was preaching in the Sermon on the Mount. Let's take a look at that together. This is actually at the end of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 7. In Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27, Jesus says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Now, do you notice what Jesus is saying right here? He's saying that the Bible, or in this case, his words, that's the same thing as what the Bible is, isn't it? It's the word of God. But here, you know, Jesus's words, if we put them into practice, he compares us to a wise man. That's, that's what it means to, to put the word of God into practice in our lives. It means that we are preparing for the things that will come. Because, you know, with these, with these two different men, the wise man and the foolish man, hard times came their way for each of them. But the wise man had planned ahead and he had prepared for those difficult times. The foolish man had not prepared adequately enough. And that's why it fell with a great crash, you know, what he had built. It wasn't going to be substantial. It wasn't going to sustain. Well, in a very similar type of way, like, like a, that parallel with the board games, you know, that a board game, it's only a game whenever you're actually playing it. Otherwise, it is just kind of a, a set of, of rules. And that is how people view the Bible. 
they might look at it and just think it's these rules. But for us who are trying to, to live our lives in such a way, who are trying to be like this, this wise man, then we need to pick it up and we need to look at it and we need to follow it. And then we recognize it's so much more than just a rule book. But in order for you to get there, you've got to be willing to pick it up and to read it and to listen to it. When you put these things into practice, you're participating in life itself. There's also some more parallels that I want to make with, with board games and also our life and the Bible. The second thing has to do with the rules, okay? No matter what game you are going to play, there's some type of rules to those, right? Well, those rules are actually there not to limit us. You know, sometimes people will say about the Bible that, you know, well, God is doing these things and he's, he's limiting you from doing, you know, this thing or that thing. That's not what God is doing with the rules that he sets up. The rules that God sets up are there to make sure that, that we do what is right and what is proper. Well, the rules in a board game, they are there to help you have the proper experience. Have you ever played a game with someone who insists on not following the rules? I mean, they probably don't do that at the beginning. You know, that's why you got into that position in the first place. But and maybe you've played with like younger kids. And younger kids, oftentimes, they want to change the rules so that that way they can kind of stay in the game and, and stay ahead in the game longer. But that's not really how the rules work, is it? You know, we, we know that whenever you play a game with people, you all have to follow the rules. If you don't follow the rules, then the whole experience is going to crumble. You know, you, you have no way of really all participating in it together if you don't have some sense of, you're all going to follow the rules during the time that you play the, the game. The rules are there to help you have the correct experience, the proper experience. And you know, sometimes we, we might even find out that there's some, some strange, obscure rules that we don't always understand it, whenever it comes to, to board games. But you know, there's usually a reason behind that. I mean, maybe sometimes there is, and I guess it depends on who the creator of that game is. But those strange rules are typically there for a reason. You know, the person who, who spent so many hours trying to figure out how other people can play this game, they figured out that, that well, you, you know, you need to do this at this time or you don't need to be doing this other thing. And so those, those strange rules are there to make sure that we have a good experience. And that's also largely how it is with the Bible as well and the Word of God, that His rules sometimes don't always exactly make sense to us. But we can rest assured if, if we trust in our creator. I mean, let's face it, he's so much better than any any maker of, of any board game that you will ever play. But our creator, he placed those rules there so that we will have the right type of life, the, the life that he has planned for us. He is the creator of everything around us. And I guess this one thing that, that is so big to me is since he created everything, doesn't he get to make the rules? And sometimes those rules might not make sense to you. Or to me. But guess what? They are there for a reason. They have this purpose. And all of them, in one way or another, come back to having us uh, have the, the proper experience in this life. Now, Jesus kind of mentioned some of these things uh, about those rules whenever he was talking. Once again, these are words from the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5 now. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 17 through 20, this is what Jesus said about these rules, in this case, the law of Moses. He says, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. 
I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen, will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Do you see from these statements the importance of following the rules? In this case, he was talking about following the law of Moses. You know, all of this comes down to that he was trying to uh, allow them to have that proper experience. In this case, in verse 20, he's trying to allow them with these rules as to how they can enter into the kingdom of heaven. You know, the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is not just, you know, something that we have to, to wait in order to experience later. No, that's the whole purpose of the Sermon on the Mount. You know, right before the Sermon on the Mount, back in Matthew chapter 4, whenever Jesus starts preaching, one of the things that he says is, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You know, repent for the kingdom of God. It is at hand. It's right there in their midst. And then it's not by accident after he says to repent because the kingdom is, is here. It's near. He goes into three chapters that we know as the Sermon on the Mount. And you know, throughout the Sermon on the Mount, he's kind of laying down the law again. It, it's different than the law of Moses. This is the law of Christ. And usually what he's doing is he's He's going even farther than what the law said. Well, th there's a reason for all of this, and it comes down to why those laws exist, why those rules of God exist. It's all so that we can have that proper experience, the experience that our Creator wants us to have. And there are reasons why He wants us to have those proper experiences. You know, part of that is, in order for us to be able to, to uh, live with Him forever, uh, there's reasons why we have to follow those rules in order to enter into this kingdom of heaven and to be a part of the kingdom, not just here in this life, but also in the life that is to come so that we can forever be with our heavenly father. So there are reasons for these rules. Whether or not you understand why, they are there for a reason because our creator has set them there. The third thing that I, I kind of want to point out, and this, this gets into why the law of Moses was uh, came into being. And this third thing is about winning a game. You know, I want you to think about that. Because you don't win a game simply by following the rules. Now, hear me out on this, okay? In order for you to win a game, you most certainly have to follow the rules. But you most certainly have played a game before, haven't you? in which you follow every single rule as closely as you possibly can. We might even say, whenever you're playing a game, you follow the rule exactly, but you still don't win. Well, why do you not win sometimes? That's because following the rules is not the same thing as winning the game. You know, usually how to win a game or the object of the game is part of the rules. You know, that, that's included in the rules, at least whenever you're playing uh, some type of board game. But winning the game doesn't mean that you did this wonderful job of following the rules. Because, you know, after all, most of the time, everybody is following the rules, or at least trying to follow the rules. But usually only one person wins. 
And this kind of comes into what the law is about. And it starts to get us to think about, well, well, why do we follow the laws of Christ? Why do we follow the laws of Moses? You know, are they important? Well, I hope by now you've recognized, yes, they are important. The rules there are for a reason. They, they have a purpose. And we're going to look a little bit more about this law, especially in the law of Moses and, and how it shifted and, and what it means for us today. And we're going to do that by looking at the book of Galatians. In Galatians chapter 3, by the way, if you want to find out more than you could possibly really want to know necessarily about the law, take a look at the book of Galatians. I mean, it's, it's wonderful because it, the whole thing is about the, the law of Moses and, and how things have, have changed now in Christ. It's a wonderful book. It's really a short book, but there's a lot we can learn from it. Let's learn some things from Galatians chapter 3 right now. Let's start off by looking at verses 15 through 18. This is the Apostle Paul this time speaking, and he says, Brothers and sisters, let me take an example from everyday life. Just as no one can set aside or add to a human covenant that has been duly established, so it is in this case. The promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. Scripture does not say, and to seeds, meaning many people, but and to your seed, meaning one person, who is Christ. What I mean is this. The law, introduced 430 years later, does not set aside the covenant previously established by God and thus do away with the promise. For if the inheritance depends on the law, then it no longer depends on the promise. But God in his grace gave it to Abraham through a promise. Okay, so when you look at this passage, we start to see this connection, or I guess you might also say this, this difference here, about receiving something from a promise and receiving something by following the law. And, and Paul's point in this is that the law wasn't, you know, uh, it, it wasn't given so that that way, you know, we will be able to obtain these promises. No, the, the promises are, are different. They are, um, they, they predate the law. You know, they come before the law of God. Some 430 years before the law of God, those promises were made to Abraham. So this inheritance and what God had planned for Abraham and to his seed, it, it all comes down to uh, this promise. That's what verse 18 tells us. And we also find out in verse 16 that the seed of Abraham, you know, the offspring of Abraham, it specifically is talking about Christ. Now, we're already starting to see that, you know, all this has to come to Christ. But there's even more about Christ. But make sure that Christ is always at the center of your thinking with this. But there's even more about Christ and the part that he played in all this. And at this point, you know, if we don't obtain this inheritance based on a law, why was the law given in the first place? Well, apparently, Paul thought that we might have that question, and that's why in the next verses he says this. Verses 19 through 22. Why then was the law given at all? It was added because of transgressions until the seed to whom the promise referred had come. The law was given through angels and entrusted to a mediator. A mediator, however, implies more than one party, but God is one. Is the law, therefore, opposed to the promises of God? Absolutely not. For if a law had been given that could impart life, then righteousness would certainly have come by that law. But Scripture has locked up everything under the control of sin, so that what was promised, being given through faith in Jesus Christ, might be given to those who believe. 
Okay, so now we find a whole lot about this law and kind of the, the purpose of it. You know, the point of it and why it was added, it had to do with these transgressions. But it had to do with these transgressions, as verse 19 says, until the seed, which that promise was referring to, had come. We already know from what we looked at before, that seed, of course, is Christ. That's why it's even capitalized here in verse 19, that the seed is Christ. Christ is the one who uh, was going to be coming, and these promises were referring to him. That's why whenever it was stated that all nations on the earth are going to be blessed through Abraham, all nations were blessed and are blessed through Jesus Christ. He is the fulfillment of this promise. So now, what we also find out here is in verse 21, the law was never intended to give us life. Because if it was, then, you know, you could just be counted righteousness, um, you know, by the law. One thing that the law did do is it showed us our dependence upon God for salvation. And now for us as Christians, what the law does, what the rules of God do, is they show us our dependence upon even, you know, upon our dependence of God and especially upon our dependence of Jesus Christ for our salvation, ultimate salvation. That also kind of goes back to what Jesus was saying in the Sermon on the Mount. I mean, the whole three chapters there, it gets into he's laying down the law and he's giving all of these different rules. But he's giving those and each one of those rules show us that those rules prove that we are dependent upon God. We have to be dependent upon God. So the ultimate reason for this law, it comes in here at the, the uh, last part of verse 22. So that what was promised being given through faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. That's why the law came. That, that's the purpose of the law. It was to lead us to Christ so that we might have faith in him. And whenever we have faith in him, what happens then? Well, let's skip on down a few more verses. Galatians 3, verses 26 through 28 now. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. This is what it comes down to. The law, it led us to Jesus Christ so that we can have faith in Jesus Christ. And so that through Jesus, we can all be children of God through this faith, through this belief that we have in Jesus Christ. Part of that belief, of course, has to do with following the rules. I mean, we, we've looked at that. I mean, why else would he go through three chapters in the Sermon on the Mount and let's face it, a whole lot more chapters if we're going to combine all the teachings of Christ. He gave a lot of rules for us to follow. But you know, they're there for a reason. They're there so that we can have that proper experience. Part of the rules that he also laid down is hinted at in verse 27. It's more than just hinted at. But in verse 27, it says that you know all of you who are baptized in Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. That's how we clothe ourselves with Christ. That's how we become part of Jesus Christ is through his baptism. And whenever we do that, whenever we are clothed in Christ, we're all one in Jesus Christ. So let's make sure that that we, we do these things, that, that we follow God wherever he leads us. And whatever rules he, he lays down for us, let's make sure that we follow those things. Let's make sure that we participate as God would have us to do, like that wise builder. Let's make sure that, that we do that and, and follow the rules of God so that we can experience the life God's way. You know, experience a life that God has planned for each and every single one of us. 
And let's also make sure that, that we keep our faith firmly in Jesus Christ. Because remember, you know, you don't win a game simply by following the rules. You've got to follow the rules, but there's more to winning the game than just that. And for us, there's more to winning the prize than just following the rules. It, it has to do with following the rules. You must follow the rules. But, you know, the ultimate way in which we win is whenever we follow Jesus Christ and have faith in him. Then we will be able to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. And that we will be able to live forever with Jesus Christ and our Heavenly Father. Won't that be great? Let's make sure that we strive every single day to do that very thing. I'm redeemed, I'm redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. 